0: Hey, I'm Pam Lundell. Welcome back. Episode six of A Widow's Heart. I pray you're doing well day by day and taking care of yourself. In the early days of my grief journey, I just felt like, well, sad, of course, but also lost and disconnected. A dear friend gave me a gift card for a massage and that kind of woke me up to the whole self care thing that we hear so much about. You are important, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Maybe pick up a facial at the drugstore and put on your favorite music. Treat yourself to that fancy latte. For a few moments, you might find you after all. One of my future guests has some other great ideas to take care of you, but right now I want to introduce you to Lori Larson Heller.
1: I believe her story of love, caretaking, and loss will touch your heart. This is weird to say, but telling you, I've learned to figure out blessings in a very different way. But I feel blessed that I got to go through that with him, that I got to experience death with him, which no longer seems as scary to me now.
0: Yeah. I'm Pamela Dell, and this is A Widow's Heart. Hey, so glad you're here. Very excited to introduce you to and hear the journey of Lori Larson Heller. Welcome, Lori, to A Widow's Heart. I'm so glad that you're here.
1: Hey, Pam. Thanks for
0: having me. And, you know, we're going to go through several different parts of your journey today, but I just want to start with your husband, Jim Heller. And Can you tell me a little bit about him?
1: There's hidden blessings all over the place. And in the case of finding Jim, we both worked at the same company here in town um, and both found ourselves divorced at the same time. And it's interesting because I've always been in a man's business and there was a group of guys at this company. And I was one of few females who had this great group of friends and we would go out as a group always. And one time Jim said to me, Hey, do you want to do maybe dinner and a movie on Saturday night? And I remember saying, (laughs) yeah. And who's, who's all coming? And he said, um, just me. (laughs) And I was like, really? Because, wow, this could be a way to ruin a good friendship. But the rest is history. We we had that date and um, fell in love, and he literally was the love of my life. Oh, and when did you guys get married? Tell me about your wedding. Well, the married thing comes after the terminal diagnosis. So, oh, my goodness. But I'll tell you, when we got the terminal diagnosis, which is the journey we'll get into, um, it was the, it was one of those moments where, the doctor had told us at the diagnosis, hey, um, go home and talk about what you've always wanted to do and then do it. Mm-hmm. And so I said to Jim one day, you know, w- once I was able to talk again after this, this blow that we were served, um, I said, you know, remember what the doctor said. What have you always wanted to do? I think I've heard you talk about Australia. I mean, do you want to, should we mm-hmm. book a trip? What do you want to do? And he looked at me and said, I've always wanted to marry you. And I literally melted and said, then let's do it. And literally we told our kids in October, that was in October. Mm -hmm. A diagnosis was in September. He said that- What year are we talking? We're talking 2018. 2018. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's not long ago. No. So um, he, but when he said that, it floored me. Um, Not that I, we, we always had the love and knew that, you know, we wanted to marry each other, but we just never- pursued it, I guess. And when he said that, I've always wanted to marry you. I said, wow, then we're going to do it. And we told the kids that was October, I'm going to say 20th. And we threw a wedding together and got married on December 30th in his nephew's backyard in wine country out in California. And it was the most beautiful day ever. We forgot about the disease, the diagnosis. And it literally, it's funny because even in my grief, I think, how could I ever watch that wedding video again? It was the most beautiful day. But I it was so beautiful that I watch it and still feel the joy from that day and smile my way all the way through it. That is so, so encouraging. I just I just read about a study
0: that if you're feeling bad, if you're feeling literal physical pain, to just pull out some old pictures yes. or some something from your past that brought you joy yeah
1: and it's it's really true well especially when your person is gone you think yeah. well this is gonna make me sad but if it was a joyous moment in your life you'll feel that same joy again it, it has been so therapeutic for me
0: absolutely yeah. okay so I'm talking with Lori Larson Heller she's sharing her journey uh, with her husband Jim Heller who was diagnosed with uh, um, and well an awful diagnosis in 2018 now let's go there talk about that and how how you found out about the diagnosis, what it was, and what it was like immediately
1: to f- hear something like that. Well, we so Jim started developing symptoms in the beginning of 2018. So it took about nine months to get to this diagnosis, which is true of anyone with ALS. So for the listeners, yeah, we're talking about- Yeah, and let's make about, it clear. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say for the listeners, we're talking about um, Jim was diagnosed with ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So someone might know it more by that name, but- um it's a terrible, terrible disease. And it's, you know, if you get the disease, um, there's nothing you can do. And that's the worst part. Mm -hmm. I, I literally, until we were at the doctor that day, thought that a doctor saying words like go home and get your affairs in order was in the movies. Like that's not real life. Nobody says that in real life, but they literally said that to us that day, like go home and talk Mm -hmm. about what you've always wanted to do and do it and get your affairs in order. And, um, so although you go back for three-month appointments, there's you're not going back because they're checking to see if you're doing better or is there something new drug you can try because there's literally nothing. So it is a death sentence. Um, and so I, I'm going to tell you, I went into something that I didn't even know was a thing that I've since learned is called anticipatory grief. Mm-hmm. So I literally, from the moment we got that diagnosis, I needed to start seeing a counselor because to me, he was already gone. Yeah, You know, so someone has just said, and by the way, with this diagnosis, they tell you because they don't know, but they tell you an average lifespan is two to five years. Mm -hmm. Jim, um, and we'll get to that, but he made it a little over a year and a half. So he didn't even make it to the statistical um, deal. But it's funny now, Pam, because I think about it and think somebody told us, you know, he's going to die. And I went into this grief. I still had him. He was still the same guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was starting to, his arm was, his right arm was not working. He was dragging a foot. Um, So we knew that something was wrong. We finally get that diagnosis. But it's weird how I went into this immediate grief, like I'm going to lose him. And I thought about life and I think so much about it now. Like that's true of anybody. Like we are all going to die. We just don't know when. Mm -hmm. So what was so different about that diagnosis, you know, that you sit there and go, okay, but so now I'm going to start grieving and then I'm going to start figuring out how to look at, the, at life differently and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if only we did that, because that diagnosis is true of any of us. Yeah, that's a that's a very incredible pr- perspective, you know? Lori. Yeah. But it but until you get delivered news like that and, and I don't I mean, I'm the same. I would have never thought of it that way. But now I do. I look at I look at my parents and every time I leave them, I'm like, well. You know, this could be the last time I talked to my kids. This could be the last time because we are all going to die. Yeah. Um, but in it, but in a different way, though, yeah. don't you think? Oh, with for your sure. faith, yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. the other thing is, I this taught me, speaking of faith, to even though I've always had good faith, I was I would say that I was scared of death, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I get it anymore. Yeah. And I, you know, and I know there's people listening to this, that some are and some aren't. But when you see it happen in a way that you participated in it, so to speak, Mm -hmm. I mean, in many ways, I feel blessed. This is weird to say, but telling you, I've learned to figure out blessings in a very different way. But I feel blessed that I got to go through that with him, that I got to experience death with him, which no longer seems as scary to me now. So um, as a matter of fact, somebody said this to me one day and I was laughing about it because we were talking about how sometimes life seems so opposite. Like a baby is born and there's a huge party like, Oh, celebration. Oh wow. Like this new person is in the world. And then somebody dies and we all are crying and mourning and isn't this awful. And yes, death can be very awful. And especially if you're taken too young, I mean, if it's a death of a child or a young adult or whatever, but if you've lived a good long life the party should be at the end. It's like, man, you got where we all want to go. Let's you, have a
0: party. Yeah. Yes. And this
1: little baby, on the other hand, you're like, oh boy, good luck, little baby, because you're <laughs> coming into this world of war and homelessness and um, racism and whatever you want. So like, good mm-hmm. luck. You're going to need it. Yeah. And so it's more of that. And then party at the party end, man, you're going end. to meet Jesus. And isn't that where we all want to go? Amen. So
0: we're talking with Lori Larson Heller, who is an amazing woman. And I mean, Lori's is a friend of mine and I'm going to say, I know much of your story, but I'm so glad that you are sharing with it, with us today on a widow's heart. Now you've got the diagnosis and we've got the love story. Um, it, it all wasn't a walk in the park though, as you no. ha- were <clears throat> in your beautiful home in downtown Minneapolis, turned it into a hospice, correct?
1: Yep, yep, yeah, for sure. I, so I stopped working the day we got the diagnosis and, and, It wasn't a hard decision at all. I had worked, I had a career of 35 plus years in commercial real estate. Um, but I, there wasn't even a doubt in my mind. So I said, I want to be his caregiver. I want to be able to keep him at home. I want to spend as much time as I can with him. So I stopped working that day. Um, and my world became researching ALS, you know, everyone gets a diagnosis and you somehow think you're going to be the first person to beat it. Right. So yeah, you know, we're doing our homework. We are, I'm taking him to all these appointments. It just went so fast, Pam. It was a, I remember, you know, he went from walking, but, but tripping a little bit Mm -hmm. to a cane, a walker, um, a scooter, a transport chair, and a power wheelchair within six months. And Mm -hmm. I would just get one and start to learn how to help him with it. And then we'd need the next thing. And so it progressed really fast. Um, and it, this is true, too, if people ever tell you, like, um, you think you can't love anybody anymore
0: yeah,
1: and you get put in that situation. And it was it was and, and you are you are caring for this person doing some of the some of life's things that you would never imagine you doing for another person. yeah. But you're doing it. You're dressing them. You're brushing their teeth. You're you're doing the bathroom basically for mm-hmm. them. And yet love grew so unconditionally. I can't even tell you. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I was going to,
0: I was going to ask you, but there were times I'm sure that you just went, why God Mm -hmm. too? Of Mm -hmm. course. Mm
1: -hmm. In the beginning, for sure. I, um, (laughs) I've always want, I've always been one that likes to go in a church sometimes to, even though God Mm -hmm. is everywhere, right. And we can pray and I did my fair share of praying at home, but I would sneak out when I could and go into this church and just kneel down and have one-on-one conversations. Yeah. And for a while, I prayed for a miracle. I mean, that was that was of my course. request. Yeah. I'm like, please, just how about us? Give us yeah. a miracle. And at some point, I just remembered that like we're not really even, and not that there's a right and a wrong way, but my belief is we're not really supposed to pray for something specific. We're supposed to pray that whatever is meant to be, mm-hmm happens in in the best way possible and with the most support from
0: yeah you it's know. thy will thy will be done I think of the song you yeah. know you know and that's hard to pray um but like you know my husband I was like you know let's have a miracle we can pray boldly but he was healed in heaven yes. you know what I mean yeah it's a win-win situation yeah you don't look at it like that right yep. away but oh my gosh their whole they're healed and, and, and Jim is with John in heaven Yeah, exactly. You know, right now. What encouragement do you have for someone who might be going through something like you did right now Who who is a caretaker?
1: Maybe, and I don't know if this will make sense to someone listening and in that spot right now, but um, here's what I would say is, one, trust God. I developed a trust that, again, you think you have all these things, but boy, when you're challenged, you you know you have them. So I learned to trust God every day whatever was supposed to happen that day um but i also the biggest takeaway would be like don't allow what's happening in your life to let you stop living Amen. and i don't yeah. i don't know if i've said that quite correctly but my point would be you can be overwhelmed with the research with the care with everything but don't stop living because take that time every day be every moment is precious and we didn't get away on any trip or anything like that before um, he got to the point that he couldn't travel or anything. And you know, now I, but I was caught up in that anticipatory grief and and trying to figure out how to handle the disease. So I didn't act on it quick enough. And uh, you know, so that's a that's a message to somebody is just because you have this diagnosis, don't stop living. Yeah, do it. And trust God and trust because Pam, one of the things when I say I prayed for a miracle or and then finally switched over to like, okay, maybe I'm not praying for a miracle. I'm just praying that whatever happens is supposed to happen and that I feel God and his strength gets me through this. And it's so funny because when Jim did pass and now let's fast forward to yeah. it's May sixteenth, twenty twenty. So it's turning During the beginning of the pandemic. Oh my gosh. So we're two months into this worldwide pandemic. Oh honey, I'm sorry. (laughs) So no one's coming to see you, you know, um, thank God my mom and my sister-in-law, you know, came up and just said, we're not going to be scared of the pandemic or anything. We're going to be there for you. And so, and my, my daughter, um, so I had people, but it wasn't like a normal, someone dies and people are stopping at the house and bringing food and whatever. No one's doing any of that because it's a pandemic. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when when we got when we found out he was dying, um, he had gotten this little bout of pneumonia. And again, he's at home, so I called in a nurse because this was something I hadn't seen in his yeah. illness before. And we had a nurse in for the first day on a Thursday. And by this is the stuff you could knock me over with a feather. By the next night, Friday night, he spikes a fever of 104.5. So I take his temperature. He's burning up. I put these rags mm. on him. I call a nurse, and she says oh, just give him Advil and Tylenol at the same time because it's known to break mm-hmm. fever. But tell you what, I'll send the nurse on call over anyway, just, just so you feel a little more comforted. And so this nurse, on, I I do what she tells me, this nurse on call comes over. This is God's blessings all the way along here because this nurse shows up and she tells me that he's not going to live through the night. Oh. I mean, I have no idea. We yeah. are not at the end of our ALS journey. Yeah, But this is where God had it happen in a way that, you know what, as sad as I was, like, don't take him yet. It's not time. Mm-hmm. It was like, but he didn't have to go through the end of that, that terrible suffering that comes at the very end of that yeah. disease, for example. So what a blessing in disguise for him because he was going to go, but he went in a much better way. And this nurse that showed up that night, she said, after so she had to literally, I took her in the bedroom to see him. He's out. She's taking his temperature and his oxygen level and her hand is on his chest and she's staring at him for quite a while and she looks up, pulls her mask down and says, I hate to tell you this, but he won't make it through the night. And again, I'm literally shocked. She says, and what are the chances that I'm here on this call? Because one, I'm a palliative care nurse, not just like a nurse that would normally come out on this call. So she said, this is what I deal with, end of life. And I've seen a lot of ALS patients through the end of life. She said, I'm a seasoned, I don't know how old this woman was, but she she was a seasoned tenured nurse. And she said, I don't even do weekends. I don't do it on call. I don't do anything. But I said, I'll take one. it's the pandemic. And it's a pandemic. And she's there with all the qualifications. Yeah. And so she said, there's some reason that I was called to your house tonight. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, and I could go through this and go through one thing after another. Mm -hmm. The two boys had come up. One had come up from Atlanta the weekend before. Mm Mm-hmm. And had this wonderful visit with Jim, and one of them came the day that we found out he was going to die that night. So his his son and his wife and grandkids were there with me when this all happened, yeah. and everyone's blown away. They came up to it have was a visit a plan. with them. It was a but divine it was a plan. plan. It really was. Oh. And this is where you've got to stop and look and say, look at the ways I was blessed. I could have been home alone. Jeff could have not seen his dad for the last Mm -hmm. time. I mean, everything fell into place and that doesn't happen by accident. That's (laughs) God and the universe fulfilling the plan that I had prayed for, which went from a miracle to just make this happen in a way that it's supposed to happen.
0: We'll be back with more from Lori Larson Heller on A Widow's Heart. Hey, I'm so grateful that a wonderful nonprofit supports A Widow's Heart. They're called Wings for Widows. From them, I've learned that more than 85% of women of all ages responding to a survey said that being the sole financial decision maker is the most challenging aspect of being a widow. I know, I was there when I lost my first husband, and I wish I had Wings for Widows back then. Their mission is to provide personalized financial wellness coaching to help widows move forward with confidence and hope. You can learn more at WingsForWidows.org. All services provided at no cost. That's WingsForWidows.org. And we're back, a widow's heart and my guest and my friend, Lori Larson Heller. Um, I just have to mention, you know, we talk about Widow um Widow's Might once in a while, and that's the nonprofit that I helped um launch years and years ago. And and I met you through there, and we have so much in common, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing! It's been but, awesome, and you also have a big fat blended family, just mm-hmm. like mine. Can you tell us a little about
1: them? Yeah, um, we love to call ourselves the modern day Brady Bunch, <laughs> um, except we didn't have. There's no cooker cleaner, so there was no Alice. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jim had his boys, and then I had um, a son and a daughter. My son is married, so she fits in the box too. So, and my daughter is single yet. So anyway, my kids live here in Minneapolis. Jim's boys live in Atlanta, um, but. Literally just blended so beautifully. Everyone is, they call each other brothers and sisters and it's just, it's beautiful and it's beautiful to have had them, um, you know, by my side during this whole process. It's so
0: good to see their support too, because I know a lot of times when there's a death in the family and then it's a dad and uh, bonds dissolve and stuff, yeah. but you guys have stayed strong through oh, yeah. this. So, yeah. okay. So, matter so fact, j- we'll oh, talk ahead.
1: about what happened when I went to see them. Oh, Atlanta. yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your beloved husband, Jim, has passed away from ALS um, and I, I can't even imagine what that was like. And you were a caretaker. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, about his service and like maybe like the first days or weeks afterwards, how how you coped and how you yeah. got through it?
1: Um, so there's kind of a lot there, but let's go. So he died middle of May of 2020, again, two months in the pandemic. So there's not a lot going on, but I'll tell you, I think that I masked a lot of grief and I'm yeah. not recommending that by no. the way, but <laughs> I had so much to get done. ALS causes you to have all this equipment in your house. So I had a Hoyer lift, this thing that I used to have to pick him in and out of bed and in and out of his wheelchair or to get him to a shower or whatever. So the Hoyer lift, the wheelchair, a scooter – all the bathing equipment. I mean, all this stuff was in my house. And the first thing I thought of was I have to get this out of here. So I just, my brain, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a business person. My brain went to work on just, and
0: you keep yourself busy. Yeah. I mean, you
1: just go, I can't sit down because then I'm going to feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, now at the same time, my mom and sister-in-law who were there told me that I didn't shower for a week or change out of the same clothes. (laughs) Apparently I slept in the same thing I got up in. And, um, and so your mind is not there, but I kept busy taking care of all those things. We had a cabin that needed to be sold. I personally, Your beloved cabin. Yeah. Oh, my oh. God. And it, it was just – that was heartbreaking. But it was just too big for me to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it was so gym. I mean – and and maybe in some ways you want to hang on to that because it's so gym. But in other ways, you don't because, you yeah. know, trying to move forward is difficult when you are surrounded by that much
0: – Yeah, gym. Uh, You know, yeah, Jim. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But so his, I'm his imprint to,
1: is there. yeah, yeah. so, and as you recall, with the pandemic, you couldn't have a funeral right then. So right. Okay. I am getting rid of all the equipment. I'm selling we had bought a handicap van, which we only used for six months had I known you know this was going to happen. I would have rented it or whatever. So I've got to sell the van. I've got to sell the cabin. I've got to I want to get out of the condo downtown because you'll also remember that a week after what was Jim's passing, George Floyd unfortunately happened
0: all of the unrest and everything in
1: Minneapolis talk about (gasps) another interesting thing though for me my daughter called me so so I've now had 10 days and then this and then unfortunately they George Floyd is killed and my daughter called me and said "Um, you're going to come and volunteer with me this week and I said I am and she's like yep I know all these places where we're going to go work on you know handing out food and and so Week one was I'm buzzing, getting rid of this equipment and stuff, mm-hmm. listing the places for sale. I am doing everything. Oh week goodness. two was literally she took me every day of the week to a different spot to volunteer on George Floyd stuff. So we did that. Now I'm two weeks out and I'm I'm kind of, I've kind of calmed down and I am a mess. Yeah. And I guess I'm going to give this woman a plug right now because I will tell you, it was the first thing that I did that kind of made me... Perk up a little bit and Do that it. is <laughs> my daughter in law said to me, You need to listen to Nora McInerney's um TED talk on grief and moving forward. I think it's called We Don't Move On or something, which okay. is true. You and I can look at each other and say, that's a terrible phrase. No one ever moves on from anything. You didn't move on from John. You right. moved forward. You move forward. Right? Yeah. And that's how I feel. So I listened to this and it's only 15 minutes. And it's funny because I told my daughter-in-law, I'm like, I don't want to listen to it. And yeah. she said, you're going to. And I sat out on her patio and it's only 15 minutes. And yeah. she waited almost an hour to come out because I'm she could see me. I'm still sitting there. She came out and she goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm listening to it for the fourth time. And so it was that first thing that here was a woman, if, if you don't know who this is, she has- Tell me your name again. Nora McInerney. Okay. And she had- lost, um, a child, um, a pregnancy, her husband and her father within the course of six weeks. And she was in her early thirties. And now this podcast she did for Ted talk, I want to say was, let's say four years after all that Mm -hmm. happened, but I didn't care what period of time it was. I just wanted to know that there was hope and that you could smile again, that you could laugh, that you could make a joke, that you could. And so I listened to this and it really, it, it gave me that. And from there, I just started on a process of, I mean, there's no way around it. Grief sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, it's, I, I mean, oh.
0: we and need t-shirts Oh, that say that. Yeah. Anyone who goes through anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just have
1: hugged so many widows and said, this just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was fortunate again, another blessing, that there was a dip in the pandemic, if you might mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. It, was, um, it was heading into the fall and people had told me like, hey, you might be able to sneak one in. Like the numbers are going down, but they expect a spike in the fall. So- August 29th we had his celebration of life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um it was
0: And you had a beautiful. party <laughs> and I had a party and we you know where
1: we did it we were at the um oh what do you call it now the Nicollet Island yeah. Pavilion. Yeah. yeah. So that we could we didn't have to worry about numbers. We could social distance. There was outside if somebody was scared to come in and you know we had mass. If someone was scared to come inside I had a uh, big screen and speakers out in a tent. I mean so we had a party and It was just, it was so therapeutic. So once again, now that to me was another step. I'm like, okay, I got that done. I'm feeling good. And then it hit again. The next weekend is Labor Day weekend. And with our cabin, Mm -hmm. Jim and I, everyone was always done coming to the cabin by then. So it was always our time. And all of a sudden it hit me. It's like, it's Labor Day
0: weekend. It's the year of firsts as that they say without
1: them. It's like, oh
0: my goodness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, get this, this is how much, and again, I want, this is why to the listeners, we can talk about this and make it seem, it may sound like it's easy. None of this is no. easy. It's, it's incredibly hard. Um, but owning it is a big piece of it. Yeah. And this is another step on how my daughter and I decide we're going to go to Denver to see um, our niece and nephews out there. And we are, we booked our flight. We are at the airport and I start crying at the you know, at the gate. Mm-hmm. And I look at at my daughter and I said, I don't think I can go. And she's like, I'm not sure I want to go either. Oh. And we sat there and watched it go back. We're watching them load the plane. You know, they've loaded our number, whatever. Finally, everyone's on the plane. Chelsea and I are still sitting there in our seats. Mm-hmm. And I go up to the gate agent and say, and I'm, I'm She can tell there's something wrong. And I just said, I'm sorry. We've recently had a death in the family and we thought we could pull off this trip, but we can't. And so if you have anybody on standby and she's like, we'll take care of it. And so we got our money back and whatever, but that's how hard it is. You you think you're making a step that's going to help you or go in the right direction. And it just... I
0: just remember, yeah, after, after John passed away, I mean, we had so many couple friends and, and initially, but they would invite me to things and I always felt like a sore thumb. And that was my problem, right? Because I knew they, lo- they loved me. Right. But I would be like, see all these couples and I would just kind of back out slowly yeah. and just get in my car and drive away yeah
1: we have to learn to be the
0: third wheel or the fifth yeah. wheel or whatever again yeah too. and and these unexpected things that happen and and maybe it is like a song or or it's um oh i i smelled a the cologne that john used yes. to wear once and just
1: just knocked me for a loop yeah you know well and then so now about that time i'm like okay laura you need more help and so I started looking for a grief group. Yes. Good. And for me, that was the right timing for me. I wasn't ready for that before.
0: I always say you're not in the first yeah. th- six months. Yeah. Don't even try. People think, oh, two two weeks ago was a death. I'm going to find a grief group. Right.
1: You're just reacting. Yes. So I figured that month. out and I wasn't ready. And now that I'm in this grief group, and um, so it's the West Metro middo, widow mite, sorry, that as we talked about. And it's it's great. It's therapeutic. We meet in person when we can now without the pandemic. We do Zoom calls. But everyone, because it's widows, everyone has the same story. It's different. But there's a bond that comes with that, mm-hmm. that you just don't get somewhere else. And there's such a comfort in being with a group of ladies who all lost their husband. One, it starts to sort of hit you that, okay, you're not alone, so let's not have this sort of why me pity party because it's happening to a yeah. lot of people, yeah. and you know sharing those experiences is just so much better well, than and good. that's what women do the best. I don't know if if a wit- widower
0: group would be as yeah. successful i mean I, I would hope that it would be, but um we find out that we go through the different stages and um I remember John's first anniversary. I've shared this before. My sister called just like your daughter did, you know, uh, around the time of George Floyd, right after uh, Jim's death. Um, My sister called on the anniversary of his death and said, we're going to um, do, um, um, oh, what's it called? Sea kayaking on Lake Superior in Bayfield. You're coming with. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to have a pity party. I'm just going to say home and wine. But then yep. she pulled me and then we went. And it was a gorgeous day and you yeah. could see 20 feet to the rocks and the fish. And we went into sea caves and everything. And I could just literally hear God saying, look what you would have missed out on. Yes. Look what you would have missed out on. Yes. And it was so sensa- sensational yeah. that um, you've got to listen to those small voices and those smart
1: family members. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and friends along the way. For sure. Because if left to your own yeah. You know, you'll, you, you probably won't make all the right decisions. Now
0: what, um, we're talking with Lori Larson Heller and you're going to hear, I think a lot more about her in the future too, because somehow after you reeled the, the first year is so difficult. Um, you had the memorial service, um, you found widow might, mm-hmm. um, you, you got to work for ALS. Yes. Tell us about
1: that. Yeah. So um, I started working, well, and this is something that I want people to realize is possible too, is when we got that diagnosis, I could not say even the letters. I To say ALS or if someone said it to me, my body literally would yeah. cringe. Um, I remember having a hard time even laying next to my husband in bed because what comes with ALS are these, um, they're called fasciculations, but it's, it's your skin, it's your muscles moving under your skin that you can visibly see from the outside. So to lay next to him, oh, I could feel him, uh, you know, his mm-hmm. body was doing that on my arm, for example. And so you guys, I hated ALS with a passion. Like I was so mad. I, again, grieving, whatever. And yet now fast forward and I'm, it's about six to eight months after his death. And I I went from something I hated and couldn't see couldn't even hear or say those letters to something I became passionate about. It became my purpose. And that was something I needed because after he died, yes, I had all these things to get done, so going back to work wasn't even top of mind yeah. for a while. Then it became top of mind, but I was like, "Oh my gosh, as much as you know, it was lucrative for me, it was where all my relationships are, it's all my knowledge, everything these 35 years in that business, and that's a smart person would go back and do that, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, okay.
0: Commercial real estate, by the way, and my friend Lori won a really big award too recently too.
1: Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. You can mention that
0: real quick because I'm so proud of you.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Well, you won an award right at the same time. Oh, But but I did win the, um, it's called the President's Award, which is awarded by an organization called NAIOP, which is the leading commercial real estate organization in town. So, Mm Um, That was very flattering and very nice. But um, something in me was like, this isn't what I was put on this earth for. I mean, I did that. It was great. But I think I have a greater purpose. And I I just ran toward ALS. And it has been. Oh, I love that, ran toward ALS. And literally, once you've been through it and witnessed it and seen every nasty piece of that disease up close and personal, Mm -hmm. I don't blame anyone who runs away from it. No one. I mean, you are entitled to do that, but I have found this incredible group of people who have now become best friends that did what I did. So there are three women. Funny, we are all the same age. We've all lost our husbands. We are all brunettes, and we all ran to this disease and said, let's help someone else. And one's in Seattle, one's in Chicago, one's in Boston, and then I'm here in Minneapolis. And... I talk about another. So I have my widow, you know, first you have your family and friends. I have my widow, my group who is mm-hmm. so, um, you know, helpful. I have my, and what I love about the widow, my connect groups too, is they're all different ages. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah.
0: It's so you learn and from everybody That
1: bond you have of losing your person doesn't, it takes away the age difference. I mean, everyone exactly. it just, yeah. So anyway, um, with, with these ladies and now with a large, much larger group of grassroots people, we have been really moving the needle on ALS. This is a disease, you guys, that was founded 160 years ago. So it was the first case. Um, but you never hear about that. You don't hear about it until it hit Lou Gehrig. Mm-hmm. And, right? And That's that was in 1939. Yeah. Um, but because he was a popular figure, you know, a great baseball player, um, it... It took center stage. And so he he was diagnosed in his 30s with this in 1939. In his 30s. Yes. And died in 1941, two years later. And so, and literally think about this. So from that time, 80 years ago to today, there are only, there's no cure. And there are two treatments you can try, but both of which have only proven to maybe add three to four months to your life. Mm. And by the way, who wants those three to four months when they're miserable, you know, because I didn't say this earlier, but for those that don't know ALS, it takes away your ability to walk, um, to speak, to eat, to, um, and eventually breathe, which is how you die. So it just, it kills all the, the, um, Oh my gosh. Your brain stops sending signals mm-hmm. to the spinal cord, which sends all the messages out to your muscles and everything stops moving. And so that's what happened. So even Jim, while he was still, you know, I said it wasn't the end of the road. He had stopped eating. He had a feeding tube. So I had learned how to feed him, you know, oh. with a feeding tube and things like that. So, um, can I ask yeah. you, I mean, this is, we're, we're friends. This is very personal, mm-hmm.
0: How was Jim doing yeah, this? That's an interesting question. Yeah, um, I mean, were you able to say goodbye? He, oh, um, Okay. Can okay, I go back to it?
1: We're all going to cry. Okay. Well, I'm going to try not to, but because one of the ways I now look at this as is, is those incredible blessings again from God. Yeah. So get this, Jim, when I was having to see a counselor in the beginning, here he is diagnosed with this terminal disease and I'm having this grief and I'm seeing a counselor. He's not, he's sort of accepting it. Um, time goes on. I prayed to God, not only for that miracle, which I then switched to something else, but I also said, but please just give me the strength to do this. I want to be able to take care of him. I want it. So give me that strength. What a beautiful prayer. And I Mm. felt it switch, Pam. There was a day where it was just like, I went from, and my kids, people that witness this would tell you the same thing. I mean, I went from being a mess to this switch went on and I was like, I can do this and I can care for him. And, it's going to be okay.
0: Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
1: Yeah. You can look at this on my arm right now. Yes. And oh, i yeah. that's one thing I did shortly after. So I have this tattoo that says Matthew 19.26, which is with God, all things are possible. And that's where I turned my thoughts to at that yeah. time. Um, but so Jim started to get um, more and more sort of beat down by this disease. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say he, he started to lose hope Um, which is very understandable, but here's an interesting thing. Um, it's pandemic, nobody's coming into anybody's houses, but Chelsea, our daughter had been to a church and she said, and she was, she was new in the church, but she told the pastor our story and the pastor said, you know, I'm not really visiting anywhere right now, but if your parents or your mom and your stepdad want to, um, to talk, I will go visit them. And so she came and Pam, this was literally, so her first visit was two weeks before Jim died. Again, no no thoughts of him dying on the horizon. Right. She came in and it was, we read scripture. She told personal stories about death that she had encountered. Um, we shared our story. It was the most moving and Jim loved it. And she talked about death in a normalized way. And I think it was so relieving for him. Yeah. And so she was leaving and she said, do you guys want to see me again? And we go, um, yeah, like two weeks. And she goes, okay. So she comes back and it's now the Wednesday. He dies on a Friday night. It's that Wednesday. We have one more session. Same thing. Very moving. Jim and I immediately felt like we've known this woman forever. Like she was so unbelievable to because otherwise it's Beautiful. a stranger coming in your house. Yeah. But again, to me, God put her in a place where she was supposed to be. Yeah. I'm now great friends with her, but she comes in and as she's leaving the second time after we're all crying and everything again, but Jim is feeling much better. She says, okay, I'll see you guys again in two weeks. And she was walking toward the door and she turned around and said, unless Jim, I want you to know if you need me for anything prior to that, you guys just call. And then, you know, a day and a half later, we were calling her to say, please come and pray with us because he's not going to make it during the night. And she said, she's never done that. She just felt this calling to yeah. turn around and say, if you need you me call me anytime. That. So it's a Friday night now and we're calling her and saying, here's what we just found out. Can you please come? And she did. And so we had a wow. chance. Wow. I'm going to go back something. to blessings. And you asked about, yeah. you know, like, was I able to be with him and so forth? So it's that night we pray over him. He he's out of it from, I mean, he is, I don't know what I wanted to say by out of it, but he's just, he's not awake. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's sleeping, but he's probably even more than right. that. But so this nurse that shows up, we have to start giving him the cocktail to keep him comfortable and so forth. And this is the most incredible blessing, I think, because God must have tapped me on the shoulder for this one. So this nurse is with us. She's given him a couple doses. And she looks at me and says, you're about to do the hardest thing you've probably ever had to do. And that is, I have to leave now. It was midnight. And Mm -hmm. she said... I need you to check on him. And at two 30, if he's still with us, I need you to give him another mixture of this mm-hmm. drug. So I, you know, and put it into his feeding tube. Mm-hmm. So the kids are all out in the living room. And I had been without, with them out there all night, Pam, because yeah. I was feeling more like they need me. He's, he's out. They need me. So I'm trying to keep them together, but I go in and give him this dose at two 30 because he's still with us. And something, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I went back out to the kids and I said, you guys, um, why doesn't everyone just shut your eyes now? It could be a long night. We don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to lay with Jim. So I crawled into bed, laid on my side right next to him, put my arm around him. And I went up to his ear and just said, babe, it's okay. Like you have done, you've done the work. You can go. And Pam, my arm is across his chest. And within that minute he stopped breathing.
0: I mean, it I was, can't, I can't even,
1: I mean, there are times I think about it and say like, thank I, you so much for sharing that. Oh with my us. gosh. That I want to so share personal. it because it is personal and, and it was so hard yet. It was so beautiful. Like if yeah. I, how lucky am I that yeah. I got to say that to him, like, let him go and beholding him when he did. Uh, not not many people get that. And we were in the middle of a pandemic where people were dying from COVID and their families couldn't be with them. So what made mine so special that I was able to, I mean, I I just count my blessings like you can not imagine. And it's one of the things, it's hard for some people to understand. They're like, you lost the love of your life. What do you mean you were blessed? And I'm like, but but I'm blessed. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just going to tell you I'm blessed. No, oh,
0: and you just radiate that faith and that love, Lori Larson Heller, my guest on A Widow's Heart. And uh, let's go back to your um, your your friends, your your ALS gals, and um, yeah. what you guys have
1: accomplished. So my um, goodness, one of the big ones was love we're... can do a lot of things. Yes, it can. <laughs> um, and one of the big ones is that. Again, no real progress had been made in this area and there's a lot of progress being made now in the last couple of years. But one of the big ones last year was that, um, we all joined a, a nonprofit legislative committee. We get on a zoom call every week and it's, it's, so it's the women I told you about, but it's mm-hmm. also patients. It's people showing up in their wheelchairs on this zoom call. Oh, some wow. can talk, some can't, some are talking through their computer, um, And it's other caregivers like us who have done the same thing too, but together we got a bill enacted called Act for ALS and the government prior to, well, I think the first time the government gave any funding to ALS was in 2016 when they gave 10 million just to set the stage and they got them to double it to 20 and then they got them to double it to 40, like in 2020. So here we are in 21 and we get this bill written and get sponsors of it. We got more co sponsors for that bill by us grassroots people just calling legislators. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to Minnesota right now because both of our state, or both of our senators, and all eight of our um, national House of Representatives mm-hmm. signed on as co sponsors of the bill. And we were the first state to do that. So I was able to go to all the other people and go, Hey guys, we just got a clean sweep in Minnesota. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's step it up, you know, get going. (laughs) You go girls. Yeah. And so, um, and I put an article in the star tribune about that, um, back in January. So, and gave them a shout out because again, it's so appreciative, but, but we, we kind of moved a mountain for a grassroots movement and were fed by some fire from the AIDS people. I don't know if you remember in the 80s when AIDS was a death sentence. And it took a huge grassroots movement of pushing and pushing and pushing. And today, AIDS is livable. Oh my Um, goodness, yeah. And that's what we want to see. And so anyway, we got this bill passed, which will give $100 million a year. So to put that money in perspective, $100 million a year starting this year for the next five years for research on ALS to get some drugs developed that could help cure this thing. So that, I mean it's, it's so rewarding. And again, I'm fighting for something that I hated, man. I hated it. Don't talk to me mm-hmm. about ALS and mm-hmm. here I am doing this. So it's so, so it's, yeah,
0: speak to that, to someone who just may be at a loss and really at a tough place and really not, you know, moving forward. Um, how, how would you suggest finding your purpose?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. I was going to say, find your purpose, but you're saying, how would you suggest finding it? Um, <laughs> You know, it's different for everybody, right? And everything I've talked about today, it, it's its my journey, my belief in the blessings, my, you know. So I'm not saying that anyone else can follow this path, but I'm going, well, and by the way, we all know it's a well-known fact that you feel good when you help others, right? Oh, you get right. the the just mm-hmm. chemistry that comes in your body with that. And I mean- if you are, no, some people may be working and work is their joy and they have great friends there and that's their purpose. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but for those who are staying at home to stay, to just stay in your place and have these thoughts with you all the time about the loss of your loved one. And God, I mean, you can think about it all day long. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I miss watching this TV show with them. Oh, right about now we'd take a walk. Oh, mm-hmm. I should be making him lunch. I mean, you can consume yourself with that stuff. And I think you can speak to it. Like you came on this radio station and found a new purpose. Exactly. I mean, I was right next to
0: my husband's casket and people kept saying, God's going to use this. And you know how people don't mean to say the wrong thing, but I just kept going, I'd rather have my husband back. And I, that's just real silly. Well, within four months I was working at KTIS exactly, and then working with the founders of, of widow might and, and still now a widow's heart, you know? And so, um, you know, God just, you know, took me by the scruff of my neck and, and I knew what I wanted to do, but I think you'll agree too. I mean, I had to find a Christian counselor about five months after John's death because I was angry yeah. at him, yep. um, because it was an accidental drug overdose and yeah. I thought that he would, you know, get better. Well, he did in, yeah, in heaven, right? but, um, I realized that my family as supportive as they were, they were kind of tired of hearing me moan and, you know, complain and blah, blah, blah. So just realize that it's okay to ask for help too, because that really helped me move forward.
1: Yes. And not only is it okay, but you should, and it's hard for us. I think just as women, we we're used to being caregivers. We're not necessarily people asking for it, but I will tell you that there's, there's a whole lot of people that want to help that you think, well, why haven't they reached out? But they don't know what to say or do, but I'll tell you what, if you reach out to them, they will be there. And yeah. I learned that. Um, I learned so many things through this. Fast forward this story, but it's an ambulance ride to a trauma one in- uh, And
0: you're not home. In Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. Yeah. And yeah. the
1: pandemic is going on, so they aren't uh. letting people come visit. Uh. So I'm in a strange hospital, um, got great surgical care, but terrible aftercare two weeks in this hospital and I still can't even really move. I have to get a medical flight to fly home. So So, tell us what exactly you. Yeah. So I ended up breaking my um, femur. So the largest bone in our body and my hip and my, and my humerus, all on the right side. So you can't even recover with like crutches because your arm is broken too. So it's, so anyway, I'm laying in this bed and it's just getting worse and worse in terms of, and I'm doing, I got to tell you, I'm now falling into the why me Mm-hmm. Like, well, why wouldn't you? Now I'm like, the universe is out to get me. Um, why is this On all the first happening? anniversary yeah, of your beloved husband's death. First, oh. So it was not on the date. It wasn't the 16th, but it was the Friday night, 365 days later of when we were told he won't make it through the night. And so I get this medical flight home and I have to go into um, a rehab center for three more weeks. So and, and I remember that. Yeah. Yes. So it's five weeks before I even get home. Um, but now I have to make a choice. This is where I, I sometimes talk about the old Lori and the new Lori, and you're lucky you're talking to the new Lori now because the old Lori still had a lot of that. Why me? A lot of, I don't see blessings in that. I lost my husband, you know, whatever it's Mm -hmm. this past year has been an incredible growth year for me. And even that I look at it and go, you know, do you know how many times I told my counselor that Jim and I were joined at the hip Mm -hmm. and now I've fallen down and completely crashed you know, and crushed this whole side of my body. And it's like, I had to learn to walk again. And all these signs came to me of, it's also true that we all have a male and female side of our body. Mm-hmm. And the right side is the male side. Oh my So I've now broken my entire male side and I'm without my husband and I'm going to learn to stand on my own two feet. I'm going to get a new hip put in after I said, I've been yeah. You know what I mean? It was the like this.
0: are just all over the place. Yeah. yeah,
1: And I, um, I, I sort of have learned to look at it as things don't happen to us. They happen for us because if you're willing to be aware and look, there are lessons and there are blessings in everything, but there are. And I think just being aware and that's where signs I, my, my wish for all widows is that you get signs from your husband because you feel so great when you get them. Right. You know, I, I, I call them signs from
0: heaven. Yeah. You know, like for me, it was the night he died. I was looking up at the, at the stars and I started seeing shooting stars. I saw three of them. On August, the night of August, no, it was 15th. He passed away overnight on the 14th and unbeknownst to me every year at that time, I get that gift because it's the, um, um, Perseid meteor shower. Oh, you're kidding. No. And it was just like, again, showing God, showing his might, you know, and that it's going to, it's going to be okay. It's going to take some time. It's not going to be easy, but I will be with you. Yeah, I mean, and so, I'm sure we have to go, but I want to tell I, you one I sign. I get so, so many stories like that. Please I know. share, yeah.
1: I mean, I have a lot of There's them. There's no time limit, girlfriend. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a lot of them, but I got to tell you one because of. I want to tell you what happened today. So, <gasps> What? Well, I have to start first, though, with, okay, so, again, dies in May of 2020. Um, my kids, his, his kids, and me, all and the grandkids all go to Florida for the last week of December of 2020. So, you know, not... A little over a year ago. Um, And the reason is our wedding anniversary is December 30th. And then there's New Year's Eve on December 31st. I had just survived Christmas on my, you know, my first Mm -hmm. Christmas alone. And so we had booked this and the kids are like, let's, let's get to Florida, sit on a beach for that week. So we're down there. And on the day of our anniversary, May 30th, the kids think the right thing to do is to book something, keep us all busy. So they book the 15 of us to go to, um, Bush gardens, uh-huh. Bush gardens. If you've ever been there is full of, <laughs> you know, junk food and rides and whatever. So it's a yeah. big amusement Flamingos. park. <laughs> yeah. Big amusement park. But here's what happens. We, it took us a while to all get through the gate. Cause we were kind of in different places trying to get through faster and whatever. And so finally all 15 of us are through. We're on the other side of the gate. Now we've paid, we're in there, we're in a, a huddle and we're deciding, do we break up? And find a meeting place? Do we all go together? What do we do? And we finally decide, let's stick together, go find lunch, and then we'll split up from there. The minute we say that and say, we'll all stay together, we'll start walking down this path, we literally, like, it was almost like a high five, and we turned to walk, and over the loudspeaker, because there's music playing in these amusement parks, comes I Can Only Imagine. That's the main song we had at Jim's service. And we are in a amusement park. Yeah. Like who plays, I can only imagine in amusement park. I mean, that's about when you, you're going to die and Stop. go see Jesus and whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're at a cemetery and they're playing that song. So we all look at each other and cause it, it hit every one of us. We're all like, Oh my gosh, how weird is that? That that song came on. So I had to pull myself out of the crowd and do a little bit of a cry but then I get myself back together. We we go. We start walking. We say, "Wow, that was really weird." Okay, so um, now <laughs> we split up. We have lunch. We split up. We all say, "Let's meet back at this ice cream shop at 5, and then we'll all we we'll get the kids ice cream. We'll all walk back out together. Mm-hmm. So we do that. People are late, you know. So there is nothing about this timing or anything, but people are late and we're waiting. And somebody's still getting ice cream. Finally, we all go to walk back to the back out of the park together. The minute we say, "Okay, everybody's here. Let's go," I can only imagine comes on the speaker again. We're like, "What? We're, again, then, now we're again? like?" Yeah. So now we're like, "Okay, Jim, we get it. Yeah. You know, you're here with you're us. Here. You want us to know that you want this to happen, whatever." But, how about I walk in here today? I call you to say, you know, "Come get me." And yeah. the minute we walk upstairs, what's playing over your thing? I can only imagine. And I asked him for some peace or comfort feeling as I came in here today. And that song was playing. And when I walked in, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, And again, you have to be aware. You have to be open to it. You have mm-hmm. to believe. But I, my wish for all widows is that you continue to get signs from heaven because it just helps so much.
0: Wow. Lori is on a mission and she is on fire and I know God will continue to lead her to whoever needs to hear her incredible message. You can learn more about Lori on her website at LoriLarsonHeller.com. That's Lori, L-O-R-I, Larson with an O, Heller.com. And before I go, I wanted to share this poem with you. I found if you've lost someone you love a lot, maybe you can relate. They tell me life's a journey that will take me many years. Some days are filled with laughter and some days are filled with tears. Some days I think my heart will break, that I can't persevere. Some days I have to don a mask and hide beneath its veneer. Some days I turn and look for you with thoughts I'd like to share. Some days I just can't understand the reason you're not there. Some days the sadness leaves and my smile will reappear. Some days I close my eyes because your memory is so clear. Some days I struggle to go on just wishing you were near. Most days I spend in gratitude that you were ever here. I hope you've learned something and been encouraged by Lori's story. A Widow's Heart is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of University of Northwestern St. Paul. If you've lost a spouse or know someone who has, please share this podcast or any of the others available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. A Widow's Heart is grateful for the support of Wings for Widows.